Good morning. Today is a little bit different of a day. Uh, maybe you've already heard that or noticed that I'm up here a lot earlier than normal. But today we're going to kind of mix together different things about our service at different times. So sometimes it'll be conversation, sometimes teaching, sometimes singing, and a combination of, of those things. I want to say hey to our guests. If you're new today, we love that you're here and are so glad that you're here. We would love for you to get connected here. We are wrapping up today a message series called Things That Stick. And the heartbeat of this series has been what we can do to help try to create a culture of disciple making here at Johnson Ferry. Now that's not an easy thing. It's easy to teach, I'll be honest, it's hard to do. And it probably will take us six to seven years to really see a disciple-making culture take root here at Johnson Ferry. But we are endeavoring to do so, and I thought about what's that going to take for us to really embrace being a disciple-making church? There are four shifts that came to mind. I'm sure there are others than that. These are, again, things that we just want to think about in the days ahead. And four shifts that we all have to make, like number one, you got to shift from achievement to abiding. We talked about how discipleship in Jesus begins with abiding in Christ. It's not just like we get our sticker on the chart, we did our deal. No, no, we're constantly abiding, and the fruit of that is, is that we're making disciples. Number two is this shift from discipleship to disciple making. And the reason I make that distinction is not because discipleship is a bad word, but often discipleship is kind of a you thing. Like, I'm a disciple of Jesus. That's my discipleship to Jesus. Wonderful. But that often doesn't include the making of other disciples. So we, we emphasize the word disciple-making more than just discipleship. Uh, the third is the, from Sunday to Monday. Now, we're going to talk a lot about Sunday today, but the goal is that you're living on mission throughout the week at the places where you live, work, learn, and play. And maybe the fourth one would just be that instead of being consumers and I think we're all consumers. We do it all throughout the week. It's hard not to come to the body of Christ and still be a consumer. We, we are by nature, our selfish nature, consumers. But the goal is that we are producers. It's not just what do I get, but what do I give? Not just what's in it for me, but what's in it for someone else. So these are the kinds of things that we've been talking about and we'll try to keep talking about all throughout the year and in the years to come. But I gave you a definition of disciple a few weeks ago. And by now, maybe you have at least some of it memorized. Let me put it on the screen for you. And I would love for us to say together, maybe for the last time, at least in a little while, this definition of disciple. So let's, let's say this together. Ready? Here we go. A disciple is one who has found Jesus, is following the ways of Jesus, and is leading others to do the same. So there are three parts in a way. Has found is leading, I mean, excuse me, is following the ways of Jesus, and thirdly, is leading others to do the same. Now, Bobby and I are up here today, and we're going to do this together, because we're trying to connect two things that often people don't connect in their minds, and that is corporate worship and disciple making. Both would say they're both important, many would say they're both important, but how do they go together? Do they even go together? And these are a strange pair to some. It's like, like pineapple and pizza. Anybody like pineapple on their pizza? There you go. My wife's in here. She, that's definitely her. her yeah, thing. Hawaiian pizza. Mm -hmm, it's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's or weird, like though. Birkenstocks with socks. Well, now that just shows that you're old. That does show I'm old. That's a boomer joke. But 
So You're not a boomer. I'm not a boomer, but it's a boomer joke. You be quiet. It's my turn. This is not the dialogue. You, you're supposed to be quiet. Oh, sorry. Right, so, Stick to the script. Um, so we, we want to connect these two things together. How do they go there? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take our definition of disciple, and we are going to give you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain as to how we think about, how we pray about, um, our philosophy, if you will, of how our gathering this morning can help us to be disciple makers. So we're going to do this in thirds. So the first part is that has found Jesus. This is why in a corporate worship service, it's so important that we keep coming back to the hope of Jesus, the hope of the gospel. And I'd love to read for you a text. I have two today. I'm going to read both are in the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bible, see if you can find Colossians chapter 1. And then in a little while, we're going to read Colossians chapter 3. So if you can find Colossians 1. Now, we normally uh, stand, but don't stand right now. Just, just sit. We're going to do a lot of standing today, singing and all that. So you can sit for right now. Colossians 1. Let's just think about what Paul says here. Verse 21. He's talking to this church. And he says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I think that's such a beautiful passage, and there are some great reminders and help for what we're talking about today. First of all, right at the beginning, he says, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, the amazing thing about following Jesus is that there is a peace from God. And many of you have experienced that, even maybe this week. Maybe you have had a, an awful week, a chaotic week. Maybe you've been in some kind of trial or circumstance that's so overwhelming and it's hard to explain, but there is this inner peace that comes from Christ that he promises to give to us. Has anyone ever had a time like that? And, and so while we would all say individually as a follower of Jesus, we have that peace, I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here. I think what he's talking about is that within the body of Christ, talking to a collective group of people, there should be this peace. See, throughout all of chapter 3, he's been talking about needing to show kindness with one another and compassion with one another and love and forgiveness and all these things in the body of Christ. And, and the word for let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, rule is almost like a referee. That's the word picture. Someone who keeps the game in the boundaries and determine who wins at the end. So, so what is he saying? He's saying what should dictate um, what happens in the church is is this, this hope that we have in the gospel. You know, I just found out, Bobby, I'm reading the wrong scripture. This whole time? This whole time. Let's I'm do a redo. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. I'm making reference to Colossians 3. Hold everything I just said for 20 minutes. It's going to be amazing. I just, it's it's um, going to be really good. It's been a long morning. But this part, this other one's This, this other part is good. All right, so Colossians 1. Sorry. Sorry. Here in the hope of Christ, I'll stand. All right, so we're glad you're here today. Uh, Colossians 1. Colossians 1. 
<laughs> this is what you get by the third service. I don't even know, I don't even know my best, name at this point. Best. So this is the phrase I want to point out. Colossians 1. I love this. And do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. That, that is the one. The hope held out in the gospel. Now, for worship, you might go, well, the gospel needs to be presented in the service because there might be people who don't yet believe the gospel. Maybe you invited a friend who's not yet a follower of Jesus. And we want to confront them, in a way, with the gospel. But the gospel is not just for unbelievers. It's also for believers. So let's just talk about that for a minute. How, how does worship help us to connect back and have this hope in the gospel? Well, there's something that you have said. I don't remember when you said it, but it was really good. It stuck with me forever. Uh, is that you don't graduate from the gospel. And so we're not just kind of, oh, great, got that, check, move on. Um, I think about Martin Luther, his congregation, Martin Luther the Reformer back in the day, uh, his congregation was getting very annoyed with him. And they, would, they confronted him and said, why do you not move on to bigger and better things? You know, you keep preaching the gospel to us week after week. And he says, we don't move on from the gospel. And he said, when you practice these, the ways of the gospel, then I'll move on. And so it's a little bit of a burn for them. But at the same point, there is such power when we gather together because you're walking in with about a thousand different stories about heartache, hardship, sickness, burdens, the reality is you need to be reminded of who you are, your identity in Christ and what has been done for you in Christ. It, it's needed. Almost just like taking that garment of heaviness off and reminding yourselves that you're clothed in Christ, that you have the good news. And so it, just, it stirs us up. Yeah. And, and I think that's what worship helps us to do, singing together, worshiping together. It helps us just keep coming back to the amazing fact that once I was alienated from God, but now because of the death of Christ on the cross, I am reconciled to God. And that's good news, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing news. And so you are loved, you are adopted by God, you are challenged by him to be his disciple. And so we need songs that just take our eyes off of all of our junk and put them onto Jesus. So maybe, maybe we can do that right now. Why don't we just have a moment just to put our eyes on Jesus? Yeah, we're going to sing together a song, and it's such a beautiful picture of just what we're, what we're needing collectively as the body of Christ comes out of Revelation chapter 5, and it's this like haunting moment where all these heavenly beings are like, uh-oh, there's this scroll that needs to be opened, and who's worthy to open this scroll to read the names of the Lamb? Like this, who's going to do this? And all of a sudden it happens, it is, behold, there he is, the Lamb of God, Jesus, Messiah. He is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll. And what's cool about this song is it's like a call and response of all these questions. Does the Father truly love us? Is the world broken? Yes. But does the Father love us? Does, the, the, does He desire us and know us and has made a way for us? Yes. And so we get a chance just to sing the truths of God and of the gospel. So why don't we stand together? Why don't we sing together just the truth of this? I think what just happened is such a great example of what we've been talking about. Just songs that lift our eyes onto Jesus. And I, I love the visible expressions of your worship, whether that's outstretched arms, I think clapping after songs. I mean, there, there's certainly multiple ways to respond. Um, but we should be all in, right? All in 
in our worship of Jesus. And the second, I guess, part of today, if we want to talk about that second part of the definition, is following the ways of Jesus. And in just a few minutes, I want to run down through some of the ways of Jesus. And, and for us to think about, in a corporate worship setting, how does this help that? After all, most services are about 70 minutes, sometimes a little shorter, sometimes a little longer, but most of the time we have you for about 70 minutes on a Sunday morning. How does that help us to be making disciples? So th this is where I want to go to Colossians 3, the one that I started teaching a minute ago. We're this really going the, there. This, this is time. the actual, this is the real deal. All right, Colossians 3, verse 15 through 17. Uh, I think this has a lot to say about, about what we're here to do today. This is what he says, 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of, it, of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And, and this is what I said a minute ago. This, this peace is not just an internal, I have calm in the midst of a storm kind of a peace. This is a, hey, in a church where divisions can pop up. In fact, in the, in the church Paul's writing to, Colossians, there was some kind of heresy that was dividing the church. And he said, what should drive your decisions, what should dictate what happens in this church is the peace of Christ. Therefore, unity should be the goal of any body of Christ. And he says, more than that, the, the word of Christ should dwell richly among you. I love that, the word of Jesus. It's, it's yes, the words Jesus taught is the word about Jesus, the gospel, the scriptures, the the story of his death, burial, and resurrection, the story of his Holy Spirit coming into our life, this grand salvific narrative of creation, fall, uh, rescue, and uh, redemption. All these things come together in the word of Christ, through the word of God, and we are to be a word-centered church, teaching the word, praying the word, singing the word. He says that we should teach and admonish one another. The word teach is probably that positive, formative kind of, hey, this is how you live out the ways of Jesus. Admonish is the corrective, hey, you're not living out the ways of Jesus, and lovingly but firmly, let's admonish one another to be living out the ways of Jesus. And then he says, and this, this is kind of the part that's strange to me, but I think it's very applicable. How do you do that? You teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Um, what, what does that mean? I, I've studied this. There are some who try to make a hard and fast separation between all three of those types of, of singing experiences. Psalms are certainly when we take the psalms, the 150 psalms in your Old Testament, we apply them to music and sing them. That's the psalms. Hymns is a little bit more confusing. The word literally just means to praise God. It's a praise song. When, when we tend to think about hymns today, most people think about a song that was written usually like in the 1800s by someone like an Isaac Watts, a British person. 
Yeah, something like that. Something very much. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the problem with that, that is... was very Hemi, wasn't it? The, the, problem, like, the problem with that is that Paul, uh, one, didn't live in the 1800s, nor was he British. So there, we have a problem with that. Such All right, so, um, so, so it maybe includes that, but it can't be limited to that. And then a spiritual song is just like it says. It's a song from the Spirit of God, of the Spirit of God, teaching us of the Spirit of God. But, but all three of these expressions are the way in which we not only teach and admonish one another with the word of Christ, but they're also the way that we visibly display the unity that comes from the peace of Christ. So let's just take this text and think about the ways of Jesus. We gave you five ways of Jesus in this series, thinking about these. Last week, we applied these specifically to parenting. Today, we're applying them to corporate worship and and by extension to your life. But first of all, let's start with the most obvious, worship. And like a tree trunk, we want to be growing in in our capacity, growing in our depth of understanding and application. So so we need to be worshipers. If we're a follower of Jesus, if we're following the ways of Jesus, it means that we are learning more and more to worship. And worship is certainly not limited to music. Worship is an expression of all of our life before the Lord, but the Bible often, often, uh, excuse me, often talks about worshiping through music. So, like, for instance, several of the Psalms command us to sing. Yep. Um, we're commanded to sing together uh, as a body of Christ. I'm so over here just saying, yep. You're basically <laughs> doing it all the, the heavy yeah. lifting. of. So yep. maybe, maybe the big aha is, like, when we come to worship, we should worship. Yes, yes. You heard it here first. Mind-blowing. You came here to get straight revelations from heaven this morning. There's one. When you came to worship, you should worship. That's right. All right? So what what does that actually look like, Bobby, when you think about following the ways of Jesus and being a worshiper? Well, I mean, so I love love not limiting our worship together as just singing. However, it's not less than just singing, too. So, um, you know, I think I, you would expect from a worshipy pastor person who just does this all the time, well, of course, Bobby, you're very musical. That's a great thing. Do that. I myself am not musical, so I don't need to worry about that. I don't do that. I don't sing a lot. Uh, so no thank you. And, I mean, I think that's the what you're talking about with the, the Psalms. They're saying it's not a, if you feel like it, sing to the Lord a song. If you feel like it, bless his holy name. If you feel gifted in it, lift up a shout for the praise of God. It, it's saying sing to the Lord a new song. Hello. Play a note for the glory of God. Uh, you know, it's saying sing to him. It's a command. Yeah. It is a part of how we, we do this. And, um, and so I, you have a great story, I feel like, that you told me that well, I love. Well, it's just a little anecdote because it gets that. Sometimes people think the music is kind of the warm-up act for the message. All right. And as a preacher, I guess I'm supposed to amen to that. But I'm not going to. Mm-mm, I didn't um, amen it. Because I, I don't actually believe that. There was a guy at a, at a former church I served. Great guy. That's a good thing about going to new churches. You can tell stories about your old church. But anyways, um, former church. Great guy. Big Bible guy. Great Bible teacher. You know, many would consider a strong Christian. It's interesting. When I would come into worship, the worship service, he was always sitting out in the lobby or the atrium. And... And, you know, a couple weeks passed, and he was always sitting out there. And I noticed during the, when the sermon started, he would come in, and, and I called his name. I was like, what do you, you know, what, what, why are you still here every week? He's like, well, I just, I'm not really into music. It's not my thing. Um, I just go in for the worship. And part, partly I thought that's just kind of quirky. But then I thought, you know, he's really sinning. Because the worship experience is not just about the formal teaching of the word. It includes the prayers and the singing and the coming together, even the greeting. 
which is why um, I think being on time is really important as well. It's not like you're out there drinking coffee and by the third song, you're like, man, maybe we should slip in there, you know, before the message starts. None of you do that in the yeah, 1130 None of I mean, y'all do ever. that, but other services do that. Um, you know, I, can I say it this way? I don't think any aspect, like, what if, what if somehow we just talked about this and we said, you know, I, I'm not really into personal holiness. Like, but there's a group of people and they are so into it. They're very good with the personal yeah. holiness thing. They keep that standard. And I yeah. love that for them. And I, I like this part. I mean, we don't do that with any other aspect of, of the, the discipled life of Christ. And so don't, don't find yourself saying, well, that's that group of people who loves to worship and sing, and I'll, I'll leave that to them. Um, yeah. it's, just, it's just not the, the way you want to think about this. So that's worship. That's probably self-explanatory. Let's go to the second way of Jesus, community. How does the corporate worship gathering help us to be a community? Well, certainly the singing brings us together, as we just talked about. There are other things we do in a corporate setting that are meant to highlight our unity. So even the ordinances, that's the theological term for the Lord's Supper and baptism. We oftentimes think about those individualistically. Like I'm, the Lord's Supper is about me connecting with Jesus. Baptism is about me and Jesus. But actually they're meant to be unifying events within the body of Christ. Even... Even that little greeting time we do at the beginning of the service, hey, you know, go and say hey to your neighbor. Some of y'all love that. All the introverts hate that. And it may take 45 seconds, but the heart behind that is that we want to know the people we're singing with. We want to know the people that we're worshiping with. We're a family. At least we're, we're trying to be a family. So we come together. I do want to say a word to our church, something that has captured my mind and heart really over the last probably two years, and it's something that I've prayed a lot about, I've talked to our elders a good bit about, and it's even the whole notion of how we often do church with two different venues based on style, and we use words like traditional, modern, though those words are completely relative. Um, but I, I, it's just interesting, you know, when this church started, they didn't start with two different styles. And if I could be so as humble to say this, if we were to restart this church, we would not start with two styles. But I think for reasons because of, of the generational differences within a church, we, we made that decision. You know, there's something very unique about pastoring in this day and age, which is unique, that we've never experienced in the church before you know what it is. That means any given Sunday, there are four to five generations under this roof. And all those generations have different expectations and different uh, cultural, uh, you know, cultural ethos, if you will. They, they all have different things that make up who they are as a generation. And we all bring that with us to church. We can't help but to do that. I do think, however, that as we go forward, um, my heart and prayer, and this is something I've been praying to the Lord about, is that one day, I don't know when, one day we would figure out a way to have one shared experience on a Sunday morning. We, we might have multiple hours of worship, but we, we won't use words like traditional or modern. We'll just have worship at Johnson Ferry. That we are one church with one mission, with one voice. Now, some people like that. Some people hate that. And it's because we all have musical preferences. I have preferences. You have preferences. Bobby has preferences. All of us have musical preferences. But my hope and prayer is that our greatest preference would be for one another and our greatest preference would be for unity in the body of Christ. Now, now I love a lot of the ways that our church is growing. Um, we're, we're growing 
more and more as a multi-generational church, though ironically, the, the AC tends to be more multi-generational than the sanctuary does at the present moment. Um, we're becoming more of a multi-ethnic church, and I think we have a long way to go in that, but I love to see even just the growing diversity um, that's happening here at Johnson Ferry, and, and that should start to take shape in how we worship as well. But, but these are the things that we're praying about coming together, and that's why over the last, you know, you guys in 1130 maybe not sense it like at some of the different hours, but we have been intentionally trying to bridge our two venues together, to be singing more of the same songs. I think it's so important to see worship as an avenue for unity within the body of Christ. Um, I know that we talk about that a lot, but what are, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I, I would say this, just, just as your worship pastor at this address, um, I've been here for a long time. Uh, in my mind, I've been here a long time, about 12, 13 years. Um, in the role of the worship pastor over all the church, not just this venue for probably the last year. And so um, something I've thought about often, um, and I think that news for many of you, especially right here in 1130, like, great, that sounds awesome. I mean, unity in the body, that sounds fantastic. We would sing together one song, great. Um, there is a group of people, maybe you're in here, maybe not, where that, that hits like just a, just a pit in your stomach. Like, what does that mean? Ugh. And I would love to just share just very quickly the heart for, for me as a worship pastor here. Um, you may not know, like I grew up in a very traditional kind of Southern Baptist realm. Choir robes, choir, orchestra, um, just the, that whole world. And I'm one of the people who like really loved it. I was, I was, I mean, I, I remember going, we're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching on to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Like I I remember distinctly being eight years old. Yeah, some of you are like, what is that song? Uh, but I remember being eight years old trying to sing the bass part with the hymnal. I was like, marching to Zion. You know, it was terrible because you're eight and your voice is like right here. Um, but there's just something beautiful that I just absolutely loved about the hymns, and I still they still stick with me. Um, it's one of the reasons um, you notice that hymns happen a lot in here. You're like, this is a modern service. Why are we doing all these hymns? Um, but I just think about, um, and I, I want to sing just 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 a little bit so you kind of get where I'm at here. Um, but I think about this song even right now that we're about to sing. I want my son to sing a song that goes like this. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life. I just picture my son walking into school like so many of you people over here, like you have to go into school every day. And you're like, man, that sounds Shakespearean. But the reality of, Lord, that you would be like, your presence in my life would be the light that guides me, that literally leads the way, that you would be the vision. I want my son to sing that. Or how about, how about this? Um, Jesus saw me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Like, that couldn't be more of the gospel. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. 
He rescued me by his blood. He rescued me. It's so good. Um, and the reality is, though, some of y'all grew up like me, um, and you had the opposite reaction. Maybe you grew up in church and you went to a traditional place and you said, I would like to never sing a hymn again, please. That's some of you in this very room. Um, maybe some of you, you just got saved like a last week, so you're like, I don't know what a hymn is. Like, what's him? Or yeah. her. I'll be here all week. Tip your waiter. Him or her. Uh, yes. And so I feel like it, just so you're getting kind of a, an understanding, I feel like that as a worship pastor, it's my job to in some ways redeem just some of the reality that the church for hundreds of years has been singing these truths that they would stick with you in a way that is lasting. I mean, sorry, Clay, but like we all talk about how songs sometimes stick with us more than a sermon. And there's a reason. So we want that great theology in there. But that doesn't mean that songs that are new are not, you know, having theology, right? I can't disregard Psalm 96, verse 1 and 2. Sing to the Lord a new song. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Psalm 98, 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Tell of his marvelous works. We're not going to exhaust the song list for the wonderful and marvelous works of God. Like, we got to keep singing them. And that's why we sing songs like this. We even wrote songs like this that you guys sing, like... Lord, you sit in the highest place. You alone are Yahweh. You reign. Come on, can you sing it? Oh Lord, you reign. Oh Yahweh. Let's sing, Abba Father, great I am. Come on. Oh great I am. Abba Some of y'all remember even just a few weeks ago, um, I talked about my daughter just all of a sudden busting into this song, which is a new one we've been singing, but she just started singing, this is our God, this is who he is, he loves us, this is our God, this is what he does, he saves us, he bore the cross, he beat the grave, let heaven and earth proclaim, this is our God, King Jesus. Yeah, I want my daughter singing that song as well. I want us to be able to sing songs old and new. And so hopefully that as you hear one expression, that's yeah. the that's the heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love doing that. In fact, I know we're kind of getting little snippets of songs here, but let's let's just have a time to sing a couple songs that I think remind us of, of the great ancient truths of the past and also bring us into the newness of spiritual songs being today. So let's let's worship the Lord. You got it. We're going to sing this as one of my favorite hymns. You probably know that because we sing it a little bit more often. Such a beautiful picture of our absolute identity in Christ and how we can even sing with full confidence no matter what circumstance. It's well with my soul. Let's sing. When peace like a... I know a lot of... Uh... A lot of up and down today. Who's grateful to burn some calories at church this morning? Anybody out there? Get some, get some squats in there. It's good. Woo. Uh, we just have just a couple more minutes, and it won't take long to go through uh, the last remaining ways. But let's, let's do that. So the, the third of the ways of Jesus that we want to talk about is service. Now, if we are a follower of Jesus, we are called to be a servant. At school, at work, 
to be a servant leader for Jesus. And while a lot of that happens uh, in our community, as it should, also Sunday morning is an act of service to the Lord. We serve him by singing to him. There are a lot of you who use your gifts and talents in an amazing way to serve uh, here at Johnson Ferry. Certainly, we have incredible worship folks who might play an instrument or sing or work behind a camera or with audio, whatever. By the way, aren't we just spoiled with our worship teams here at Johnson Ferry? They're just amazing. But uh, you may not know, it, it takes, we, we calculated this last year sometime, it takes about 1,000 people to pull off a Sunday morning at Johnson Ferry, whether that's nursery or a life group leader in high school ministry or a connect group teacher or a parking lot volunteer, you know, you name it. In fact, a couple weeks ago, we did a big serve team night. You can see some of the pictures uh, from our serve team night. We just, we had fun. We kind of made fun of ourselves. We laughed a lot. We, we served our servants just to say thank you and to invest in them. We, we are just so richly blessed with so many people. But worship is an act of service, and it takes the service of people to make this happen every single week. And that's part of following in the ways of Jesus. The, the next one is generosity. Now, when I say generosity, you probably think money. And, and that's not bad because we'll talk about money. But I think it's bigger than just money. It's, am I generous with my stuff? Am I generous with my house? Am I generous with my possession? Am I generous with my life? And that does include money. So part of the corporate worship gathering means that we want to have a generosity moment. We want to highlight both the need and the privilege for you to give to the Lord. Now, sometimes it's very short. Someone will come up and just say a prayer and we'll give, or they might read a couple of scriptures. Sometimes we share a story, and I always think it's, a, it's inspirational to see how giving impacts the lives of others with ministry and mission. But the number one reason we give is not because of ministry and mission. The number one reason we give is as an act of worship to the Lord, which is why we encourage you and challenge you every week, are you worshiping the Lord through your Giving. Many of you have already done that. Most of our church gives electronically, so they give through their bank or they give on our website or whatever, and, that, and that's great. Some of you still give by putting something in the bucket. We really don't really care how, just the, the goal is are we worshiping the Lord through our giving? And so I, I think it's appropriate to just challenge you once again this morning, if you haven't done that this week, I want to challenge you to worship the Lord through your giving, to be generous. Now, he's given us so much, and, and you can give today. In fact, let me just say a prayer for those of you who already have given, and those who will. God, just thank you for all you've given to us in Jesus. Lord, you've given us so much in Christ, and Lord, we can never repay you, and you don't, act, you don't ask us to repay you. You don't even need our money. But money has a way of gripping our heart like few other things. So teach us to be generous in the ways of Jesus. Help us to hold our things looser than we do. Lord, I'm thankful for those who have given, those who have given, and those who will give. In Jesus' name, amen. The last way of Jesus is multiplication. And yes, this is one of the ways of Jesus, but also ties into our definition. Because the end of the definition is not just that we are following the ways of Jesus, but that we are leading others to do the same. That's why we're highlighting not just discipleship, but disciple making. And our heart and prayer is that you are leaving here to go make disciples. 
So we want to highlight that. I want to do a better job as your pastor of just thinking about ways and praying over ways that you can be living on mission each week and be talking about that and challenging you to be living on mission each and every week. Many of you do that. We love that. Many of you, this is an area of growth for you to become a disciple maker. It's one of the reasons we also will sometimes highlight our sent ones right here in the service. We don't have to do in the service, but we think it's important to do in the service. I know, Bobby, you had some thoughts about oh, just love the, it. the power of that. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's that beautiful, tangible picture because it's, it's us. It's our body. It's our church. Where somebody said, like, yeah, I get it. I want to go and use my life, all that I have, to just take just the praises of God out to the ends of the earth. And I just can't think of a more beautiful picture. You know, we could do that separately. We could do like some service for mission kind of minded things. But yet it, it lives here in our gathering together. Why? Think about even the, the gift it is, the picture that these people see when they're up here and they see the outstretched hands. All of us as the church saying, we love you. We believe we, we, we commission you, we bless you in the name of Christ. You're our family, and we love you, and we're glad that you're going. And we may join you. We're going to join you in prayer. We may come out in the field with you. Who knows? And there's just something beautiful where it connects that kind of worship gathering to the reality of, like, making disciples. And I love it. I just think it's so important for us. It's also why we've, we've made a change in the last few months. We've noticed this. Where at the end of a service, we don't just dismiss you. We send you. Because that's the goal, not just say, hey, you're dismissed, see you next week. But it's, you are now sent to bring truth, belonging, and purpose in Jesus to your neighbors and to the nations. And uh, in just a second, I am going to send you, and, and by the way, thank you for your flexibility today. I know it's a different kind of day, so thank you for that. Not like you had a choice, but thank you for <laughs> sitting through that. Um, but I do want to have one more time to praise the Lord together, just through singing. That's what today is all about, just, just coming together as a body of Christ, praising his name. And uh, we're so glad you're here and, and looking forward to all that God's going to do. I'm starting a new message series next week, which is kind of a journey up to Easter. We're going to talk about the seven last words of Christ. And I think it's going to be a powerful time just to reflect on Good Friday and, and Resurrection Sunday. But, but before we are sent, let's have one more time just to praise the name of the Lord our God. Let's stand and let's sing together.